So we're going to be continuing uh, with our series. Uh, actually, we didn't even know it was a series. I didn't know it was a series we started, but it apparently is. The Identity Series, we're preaching on identity. Um, but the Lord has just made it really pronounced um, on our heart that this is what, um, what he wanted to say and what he wanted to do. So last week, um, I wore my high school letterman jacket, uh, and I pegged my pants. And if you don't know what pegging your pants are, and that just means you're young, very, very young. But what you do is you take your pants and kind of fold over, and then you roll, you get thick socks, you look awesome. So I did, with high tops, usually it was like a Reebok, you know, aerobic shoe, but I wore it to show how silly we look when we try and fit into yesterday's identity, when we try and fit into yesterday's clothes. But let me be perfectly clear about something. It was cool in 1988. Oh, it was cool. Come on now. Look at that. Tell me that ain't cool. I don't know who that skinny guy is. About buck seventy-five, But it was cool back then. But to wear it today, not so much. So the encouragement in this, guys, the things that we were comfortable in the things that we were comfortable in before we gave our lives to Christ. Those things are no longer part of our identity. We're, we're told to let go, let go of the past and, and to walk in the new. And that's what we're focusing on today. So let's just uh, close our eyes. Um, Lord, we thank you that you are so faithful. You're so faithful to, to bless us with your presence. Lord, we say continue to do what you're doing. Lord God, continue to move how you want to move. Holy Spirit, right now as an act of my will, I just, I yield to you and I say, have your way. Let it not be uh, me that's remembered or even heard tonight, but you, Lord God. Let your heart be conveyed to each one of us. And Lord, do that awesome thing you do. You personalize this for each one of us, Lord, that we know this word is just for us. Lord, let your word be life and power, liberty and freedom. Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Into his glory. Amen. So I want to start off. We're going to read uh, out of Ephesians. Chapter 1, um, verse 3 through 6. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy for him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. I tell you what I love, I love many things. What I love most is that this passage is all about Jesus. 
It's all about Jesus. It's all about His grace. It's all about His goodness. It's all about what we have because of Jesus and in Jesus and through Jesus. Why do we preach Jesus every week? A better question is, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? The Father gave Jesus the name to be exalted above all other names. So we exalt Jesus. And we look at this passage, and it shows us that it was through Jesus Christ, through Jesus, that the Father adopted us as sons. Isn't that interesting? Through Jesus, the Father adopted us as sons. We have female sons, we have male sons. You know, I've said that before. When it talks about sons, women, that does not exclude you. That word son refers to one who receives the inheritance. So we have, in this room, female sons and male sons. Adopted as sons. See, I think a lot of times that idea of sonship gets lost in our community because um, because we have a community full of step this and step I want you to meet somebody. This is my step so-and-so. My step so-and-so. I'm, I'm his step so-and-so. Now, I have, it's funny, in this church, Chris Glenn is, what is he, I mean, he's my brother. Chris is my brother. But for the longest term, I, I explained him as, this is my step-brother-in-law who married my step. Well, anyways, his mom married the church dad. Then I always put in with that. And it was very confused. And I'm like, how stupid is that? So now it's like, why don't you guys meet Chris Glenn? This is, this is my brother. And if someone goes, oh my gosh, you know, you guys look just alike, then I just laugh it off. I'm like, that's all right, that's good. We both look like our father. You know, we don't have to explain. But when we talk about being adopted by the Father through Jesus Christ, we're His. We're His. You guys, no rejection, no changing of mind, no backing out. We're His. This passage shows us. He chose us. Yeah, he chose us. Long before we ever even had the ability to think and reason and choose Him, He chose us. We initiate nothing, but we respond to the work of our awesome God. He chose us. This passage touches on an awesome theme, and that is the theme of reconciliation. being reconciled, being brought back into relationship, brought back into right standing, being brought back into grace, brought back into love, brought back into promise, brought back into heritage. It says that Jesus began the work of reconciliation. He reconciled us to the Father. At one point we were just lost. We were lost in need of reconciliation back and Jesus did that work. Jesus did the work of reconciliation. But that work is not finished. There are those who are still lost now that need to be reconciled to the Father. And we have been given the opportunity, the privilege, to continue in this work of reconciliation. You know, in this, in this time, I think about the storm, the darkness, the winds, the water, and the confusion, and everything that it brought, the panic, the fear, all of it. 
contemplate that just for a moment. This work of reconciliation. Somebody lost. Somebody cold. Somebody looking for answers. Someone not sure where to go. Someone afraid. And you go, wait, wait. Okay. You're okay. Come with me. Would you look at one right here? A loving father is right here. Open arms of grace and acceptance is right here. Come with me. He's gonna hug you. I'm telling you right now. He's gonna there he comes. Here he comes. There I'll get out of this. We're called to that. The work of reconciliation of a lost and hurting world to a loving and gracious and perfect father. And this reconciliation was the work of Jesus Christ and why he came. And we get to be a part of it. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says this, And although you were formerly alienated, and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Tonight's message is about identity. It's about identity. The attack of the enemy against our identity, against who we are and how we see ourselves and what we believe about ourselves and God. Our identity. The attack against our identity is meant to do these things. We see this in this passage. So if we can just keep, I want to say it was uh, verse, yeah, verse 21. Oh, the attack of the enemy against our identity is meant to do these things. Number one. Alien of the enemy against against our identity was meant to alienate us. To keep us separate. To keep us apart. Out of with God and his people. This passage says we were back to verse 21 we were formerly alienated. You guys, it is not God's will to be alienated. I don't agree Christians who say, I don't need to go to church. I have church alone with, with myself, just me and God. I don't agree because you are alienated. And we are called to be a people united, a body united. Not to have a, a body part chopped off and kept in some weird green fluid and displayed in a mad scientist room. It's alive! Just alienated! No, that's weird. That's weird. That's strange. That is not God's intention. God's intention is a fully functioning body. It says we were formerly alienated. So what's the enemy going to come against us with? Alienation! I said it last week. We owe it to ourselves. The times that we feel like we don't fit in to ourselves to take an honest evaluation and say, am I following Jesus and what he says about me? Am I following him as I fit in? I've heard it said before. If you if you feel like God is nowhere to be seen, if you you're not in His presence and you're you know you can't feel Him, who you think moves? Who you think moves? If you can't 
feel God, if you can't sense His presence, if you can't feel His love, do you think it's He that moved or you that moved? Number two, it's us who moves. Lord, where are you? I can't see you. I can't feel you. He's like, I'm right here. I was here the whole time. You got up off my lap. You walked over there. I haven't moved. What's us alienated? God does not. Does that make sense? When we feel alienation, when we feel alone and separated, grab somebody. Grab somebody. Pray for me. Hug me. High five me. Have coffee with me. I'm feeling needy. I'm feeling alienated, but by golly, I need you. Don't run away from people. Run to people. Run to the Lord. Church, when someone comes to us in that stance, the first thing we do is go, Coffee's awesome here. Let's go before the Lord. Coffee will take care of itself, but let's pray. Let's just connect with the Lord. Father, I just lift up my friend before you right now. Does that make sense? Number one, alienate us. Number two, the attack of the enemy against our identity is meant to make our minds hostile. To make our minds hostile. Here's what this word hostile is translated as. It's the Greek word ekthros. Which means this, hostile, hating, and opposing another. Hostile, hating, and opposing another. Two of the greatest lies of Satan against us. I made mention of this before. These, these lies of Satan are that God doesn't love us. That God is against us, right? That God doesn't love us. That God is against us. He's not for us. When I started this series, I had everyone close their eyes. And I continued. Lies the enemy uses against them, right? And I didn't give you the heads up. I didn't give you a warning. I just started making these declarations, these lies of the enemy, so that you could hear it. And it was shocking. And these are some of the things I said. He doesn't love you. How could he love you? Look what he's let you go through. If he loved you, he certainly wouldn't have let you go those through, through those things, right? And that's so common. Is there anyone in the room that the enemy has not used that against? Lies of the enemy that create hostile minds towards God. Well, you don't love me, I don't love you, right? That's what rejection is, right? You reject me, I reject you. You don't love me, I don't love you. That's, that's a defense mechanism. Fight or flight. Either it's hostile. If I'm coming in fighting, it's hostile. If I'm running, it's still hostile. Hostile, hating, and opposing each other. If we have the identity of God, that He doesn't love us, that He's against us, if we have that identity of our Father, then we can never know our identity, our new identity in Christ. Are you hearing me? If we look at our Heavenly Father as being against us, hostile to us, not for us, hating us, us, we can never know. We can never walk in the freedom of the identity that he has for us, Jesus. Because that is the identity of reconciliation. We're reconciled to our Father. And who wants to be reconciled to someone who hates us? Right? Who wants to be reconciled to someone? That's you. I don't want to be reconciled. 
I want to be opposed. I want to be away. I want to be alienated from that. Guys, we've got to stand against and refute the lies of the enemy when it comes to that very thing. God loves us. You know what the Bible says? That God works through us, develops in us through the midst of difficulties and hard times? Perseverance. Something that comes through the fire again. There's a word used called, the Greek word is philipsis, and it means the crushing, the crushing. That's what we go through. And it refers to the crushing that takes place from an olive that's crushed, and the olive oil seeps out, or the grape that is crushed, and the wine seeps out. What's more valuable, the olive oil or the Anybody gone to the store and tried to buy extra virgin olive oil? How much? I mean, what's more? What's more valuable, virgin olive oil or a bottle of olives? The olive oil. Wine? Anybody? How much is a bunch of grapes, and how much is a bottle of wine? What's more valuable, guys? We don't get the more valuable stuff until it's walked, carried, forged through the fire. That God has developed, that God has has forged in us, and we walk through it strong. He loves us. He loves you. If we're asking why are you letting me go through this, we're asking the wrong question. And I promise you that God owes you no answer to that question. He owes me no answer to that question. God does not have to explain himself to you. He doesn't have to explain himself to you. He doesn't have to say. Oh, why? Well, here's why. He is God. And we are not. We're asking the wrong questions. What we ask is, Lord, what do you want me to do in the midst of this? Lord, how, how do I make it through this, Lord? Now, those questions, I promise you, he's got answers for. What do you want me to do? Son, lean on me. What do you want me to, what do I want you to do? Son, walk with me. Don't, get up, get up. Keep on walking, keep on walking. How are you going to get through it? He's got answers for us. When we ask God why, and we ask Him to justify Himself in our lives, friend, you're going to get, you're going to get crickets. The third thing that the attack of the enemy against our identity is meant to do is to make us engaged in evil deeds. Now this is cool. This is cool. Because evil, we all have, in our mind right now, think about your interpretation of the word evil. Engaged in evil deeds. You're like, no, I'm good. I'm good there. I'm not evil deeds. Here's what that word evil is translated as. It's poneros. And here's what it means. The devil wants us engaged of deeds that are full of labors, annoyances, hardships, toils, perils, causing trouble. In the physical sense, disease, blind. In an ethical sense, evil, wicked, that's what that word means. So we're not talking about black magic. We're not talking about Ouija boards. And we're not, you know, we're not talking about whatever it is. The enemy wants us engaged that are full of labors, full of hardships, full of annoyances, that brings toils and perils, that cause trouble, pain, hardship. In the physical sense, disease, or blind. Guys, let's not let this moment We've been rescued from these 
things. The enemy wants us to do in doing these things, the eyes on We put our eyes onto self. We put our eyes onto circumstance. And we find ourselves lost, cold, distraught, feeling alone. Lord, we're alone. All of these things take our eyes off of God. But just as big, all of these evil deeds define us. If we don't stand against them, they define us. Do you know people who are defined by their hardships? That is the core of who they are. They're defined by their hardships. Oh, that's the guy that lost everything. Uh, lost his family, lost lost his job, lost his money. That's the guy that lost everything. Hard luck Charlie. You know the song, It Is Well With My Soul? You heard the story of that? I'm probably getting the details wrong, but you'll get the gist of it. man sent his wife and children. He was closing up a business deal. He would stay in the States for He sent them on a boat. I want to say it was to London. It could be to Paris. In the midst of that, Ah, in the midst of closing his business affairs, these are the things he would do. Um, the ship And there's a telegram that says, from his wife, it says, very few survived the children, because he lost his children. Back home in the States, the place where he was staying burned up in the fire. Uh, I want to say it was even Chicago. I might be mixing stories, but sacred. Now let's say it was the Chicago fires. It, it, it was it was so devastating. Then, um, before he could make his way to his wife, or she could make his way back, um, there was one other tragedy. He sat down in a hotel station and wrote the words, It is well with my soul. And he talks about when sorrows like billows roll, whatever the, the lot thou has caused me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. by our hardships. We were not supposed to be defined. Oh, that's the one that's been cheated on three times. That's a freak. Every guy just broke her heart. That's her. That's garbage. That is not you. That is not how you're supposed to be defined. We are not supposed to be defined by evil deeds. And we're not supposed to toil in these things. Identity. All of these things come against identity. Verse 22, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you for him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Who are we being presented to? The Father. Who are we being presented by? Jesus. Who made the way for us to be holy? Jesus. Who ensured that we could not be accused and that we were blameless? Jesus. Beyond reproach. Beyond accusation. But you did this. Uh, no, 
no, no, no, no, no. Holy, blameless, beyond reproach. I took it, I took it all. That's what Jesus did. I took it all. I bore it all. He's our advocate. He's our advocate. See, we, we might have been in that courtroom. And all of our sins might have been lined up against us. You did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. And they were all true. And the, the, the verdict that was coming down was guilty. And right before the mallet came down, Jesus stepped in and he goes, I'll bear it. I'll take it. I'm, I'm going for them. I will bear the weight of their sin and their shame and all of that. Are you sure? Because once this gavel comes down, the verdict is guilty. I know. Guilty. Guilty. And Jesus bore that. That's what Jesus bore for us. So when we say we are holy, we are because of the work of Jesus Christ. Blameless, we are because of the work of Jesus Christ. And as part of our new identity, this is how we should back. Just chest out. And put some, put some 80s R&B on and get you know, a little strut going. Get a little swagger. Oh, I don't know. Get a, get a, get a strut in your stride because you are walking holy and blameless because of the work of Jesus Christ. That's your new identity. Man, what is it about that guy? What is it about that gal? What has she got? She's had the weight of the world's shoulders. He's had his debt totally canceled. Jesus did that. Is that what it is? Oh, that is so much better. Part of our new identity, we have to walk it out. I preached on that last week. Walking it out. Walking in our new identity. We have to walk it out now. And one of the ways that we reflect our new God nature is by not giving the enemy a foothold in our lives. We don't give him a foothold to bring accusation against us. Do you know anybody, and if you've been to church for a long time, do you know anybody who gets so excited about the topic of repentance as this church? Repentance is awesome, guys. Repentance is awesome. Repentance doesn't have to be this emotional plea. Men, we can thank God that God created repentance. The word repentance means to change mind, to change thought, to agree with him. That's repentance. It's not some big emotional plea. Men, it's already hard enough for us at times. But if we had to involve tears and weakness, whatever it is we determine that to be, we'd never do it. But God made it easy. No, agree with me. Change your mind and agree with me. We have to walk it out, guys. Last week I talked about this. And I'm touching on this for for a moment, because I'm talking about the area of being above reproach. After last week's service, um, after dinner, I was hanging with some of my bros, having some bro time, and I, I questioned uh, the guys. I said, man, I hope I did a decent job of communicating that point about what you can watch at home but shouldn't post on Facebook. And we all kind of laughed. They go, yeah, probably not. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I did. So, I got an email this week, very loving email, actually, very very thoughtful, very loving, very well-worded that said, um, Mark, would you shed some light on this for me and communicate this because the way it could be taken is um, you can do stuff alone and in private, um, hidden. Um, and, and as long as you don't post it on Facebook, that's okay. And that could mean many things. So I just wanted to ask you to clarify. Um, 
So number one, I um, I definitely appreciate just speaking the truth in love is what we covered last week. Just speaking the truth in love, and that was totally done in this letter. So very well done, Val. Um, and I'm serious. She's not here. I was looking around, but very well done. I mean, it was it was honestly the godly way to do it. God makes things so easy if we follow the right way. Um, so I, I want to clarify. So I listened to what I said because I wanted to, I didn't want to paraphrase myself. So I listened to the sermon. Here's here's what I said last week. Quoting myself. Very funny. Okay. So I said I love blazing saddles, but I'm not going to post I'm not going to post inappropriate parts of the movie on Facebook. Instead, I'll watch it at home and laugh at the inappropriate parts. And then I did like a awkward laugh. And then I said, but I'm not going to post. <laughs> I did. But I'm not going to post it on my Facebook page and let it define me. So I want to say this real quick. Friends, I definitely could have and should have communicated this point much clearer. And that's what I'm doing right now. I should have elaborated on this topic, said what I did, and kind of touched on it. But that wasn't the point of my message. I was just soapboxing. And if I touched on it and then left before I had a chance to, to really drive it home. So let me just drive it home a little bit now. But I'm not going to post it on my Facebook page and let it define me. I then said, and I quote, I'm not saying it's sin to post these type of things on Facebook, but it is immature. So let me say this right now. And I say this absolutely, 100% with conviction. Me watching Blazing Saddles is not a sin. You watching Blazing Saddles is not a sin. Well, that's not true. You, because it's rated R. Blazing Saddles is a comedy uh, from 1974, written by Mel Brooks and Richard Pryor, uh, starring uh, Cleavon Little, Gene Wilder, Slim Pickens, uh, Madeline Kahn. Um, I mean, it, it's it's Harvey Corman, absolutely. Amen. See, that's like an amen. And uh, it, it deals. It's a rated R movie, and it's rated R for crude and crass language, for sexual innuendo, uh, and for racial topics. They, they dealt with. So they dealt. The movie dealt with racism in, in a funny way. It dealt with abuse of power and redneckery, if you will, uh, in a funny way. And and so that that was the basis of of the movie. Um, and it's it's hilarious. It's one of my favorite movies, but it's rated R. So I made the point. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna quote the inappropriate parts. Instead, I'm gonna watch it at home and laugh at those inappropriate parts because there are there's language, you know, and and references that, that are funny, that that tickle my funny bone, and I laugh, but I'm not going to let it define The greatest, parents, I apologize, you know, a lot of you don't like this word, the greatest fart joke ever used in cinema history was in this movie. All other fart jokes are a distant second to, to what took place in Blazing Saddle. Okay? But I don't want to be, I don't want to be defined by that. Why? Because it's immature. Okay? I quote movies all the time. I quoted the movie this week. What? Over? Nothing's over until we decided over. It is. Was it, was it over when the, when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? That's Animal House, by the way. I had a friend who was like, doesn't Mark know that it wasn't the Germans bombed for, it was the Japanese, doesn't Mark know that? 
and this husband, this Bill, uh, Detective Bill, just laughed. And he goes, honey, he's quoting a movie. And so it was very funny. In my home, in my home, I can control the audience. Okay? In my home, I can control the audience. Dad, what are you watching? Blazing Saddles. Hit all buttons. Can I watch it? It's got some parts that are inappropriate. Well, what's, what's inappropriate about it? Some of the language, some of the humor. It would be irresponsible and immature of me to let you watch it because it's not appropriate to your age. Okay. This is normal dialogue. It would be irresponsible and immature for me to broaden the audience and let my children watch it. Is it sin? Well, then it's sin, right? If you can't let your children watch it, it's sin. No. There's lots of things that happen in my house that, that I don't do in public. Don't make me explain it, folks. Don't make me explain it. My wife's begging right now. She's begging. Please don't make him elaborate. There's things I do in my home, godly and wonderful, that if I did in public, illegal. Right? Okay? So I'm making this point clear. Okay? Not sin. But like I said, at home, I can comment. And on Facebook, I cannot. At Facebook, I, I'm not, I have no say over who reposts, who quotes, who forwards, who does it. I have no say over that. So I've got to be mature about what I post. I've got to be responsible about what I post. So when I said, I'm not saying it's sin, I'm just saying it's immature. And I talked about Paul saying, when I was a child, I acted like a child, I behaved like a child, and I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Guys, let's not encourage each other to immaturity. Let's not encourage each other to, to immaturity ability. I'm not going to throw out some statistic. 22% of your posts should be about God. I'm not going to do that. But I will I will challenge you in this. If if I read your Facebook page as I read your life, what would it tell me about you and what would it tell me about how much you love God? Is there any balance? Is there any balance at all? The world should be able to look at our Facebook page and go, that guy, that guy is funny. He he likes movies from the seventies, he likes to laugh, he loves his family, man, he loves his wife, man, he loves God. And he spends he spends time in the word because I'm always seeing the word on. I think if you went to my Facebook page and, and did that, that's what, that's what you would see. Let's, let's use Facebook page, at least in some way, as a way to let people know who Jesus is and his goodness and his love. That's all I will say. Does that make sense? I post funny quotes that are appropriate and not crass or off color or that would define me or that would define my wife, or that would define my kids, or that would define my church, but most of them, most importantly, I represent my God. I am a religion. That is how I look, how I act. I bear the name of the anointed one. So I don't post stuff that's going to bring shame or confusion to my God. Does that make sense? I'm done. Soapbox is done. Pretty decent chance next week. I've got nothing to say about Facebook. About Facebook. But there's, I mean, you never know. Got to come back and see, I guess.
One more thing. I don't. I talk about not posting immaturity, but I post the thing. Well, it's not sin. It's immaturity. You know. I don't post sin either. Man, I'm really feeling gossipy today. As much as I help myself, I can't help but talk bad about the people I love. There's a little emoticon that's there. Feeling gossipy. How stupid is that? Now, if I'm feeling gossipy, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to my wife with my first accountability partner and say, Baby, you need to hold me accountable. My son, I've been speaking death. I've been gossiping. You need to hold me accountable. And say, hold me in check. I'm going to go to the men that I've made myself accountable to. Men in this town. Men, some men in this room. And I'm going to say, Hold me accountable. I've been gossiping. Hold me accountable to this. This is what I said. That is gossip. Hold me accountable. I'm struggling. Pray for me before you pray for me. Sharp. Hold me accountable. I'm not going to post that on Facebook. I'm not going to post my immaturity on Facebook. And I'm not going to post my sin on Facebook. Right? Because neither are appropriate. Now it really doesn't. Now I really am. In walking in our new identity, guys, we need to know who we are. And to know who we are, we need to know what God says about us.